Good morning, church. Please stand. Lord, we thank you for the plans that you have today for this service, for this time. We thank you for your presence and that we get to come and be a part, Lord, and we come expectant to see your Holy Spirit move. We come expectant to see miracles, to see healing, to see chains broken and people set free. In your name.
Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And as we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on me and forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins to our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep you in eternal life. Amen. Lord,
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Let your continual mercy, O Lord, cleanse and defend your church. And because they cannot safety without your help, protect and govern it always by your goodness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Children. So if you'll extend your hands, we're going to pray for these children before they go off to Sunday school. It's a lot of kids. Lord, we pray for your blessing and grace to be on these children, Lord, as they go forward, that you would watch over them and protect them, Lord Jesus. Help them to know more and more about you, Lord, and your kingdom. Rowan. Don't walk away yet. Lord, bless these kiddos. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 1, commencing. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know. And nations who do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. The Lord is good to all. The eyes of all look expectantly to you. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Sorry about that. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. The Lord preserves all who love him. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Amen. 
This morning's New Testament reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. The word of the Lord. start over. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the Lord be on our minds, on our lips, and in our hearts as we hear his holy gospel, the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory, Glory to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. We are reading from Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, beginning at verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. The disciples said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. Jesus said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The gospel of our Lord. Praise, Praise be to thee, Lord, Lord Christ. Christ. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Praise God. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Praise God. It's good to be here at St. Michael's. Um, You know, you, you come here all the time, but you really need to know, and I'll just affirm it as an outsider, this is a holy place. It's a, it's a, it's a thin spot, and there's, there's a lot of spiritual work that's been done in this place, particularly over the last 25, 30 years that God has moved. And, and just to say outright as the, the, uh, as the patriarch of the CEC, the CEC is in revival. And it's just starting to get caught around, around the church. And uh, you need to come on Sunday knowing that, that God, God is moving. And I want to speak, that's really where I'm going to be speaking from this morning. What's happened, happened to me <clears throat> is uh, I went to see that movie, uh, The Jesus Revolution, I wasn't part of that. I know some of some of the elders here were part, came to the Lord through the Jesus Revolution. You know what was happening, the Jesus Movement, they called it, and um, great leaders, Chuck Smith, Greg Laurie, and uh, Lonnie were great men of God. John Wimber, major things happened. I came not through that, but I came through the Charismatic Renewal, which was very similar. That that something happened to us. Um, growing up, I grew up in a church all my life, but there's some, something, there was a moment, something dramatically changed. And uh, we're all birthed out of that. So, you know, Charismatic Episcopal Church, it got that name, it's all birthed out of that kind of what's happened. And there were two things, two things that happened to me, and, and um, if you were part of any one of those um, the first was Jesus became real. It was it was a, it became personal, not like a toothbrush, you know, personal, but personal. Yeah, you, 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 I had a relationship with Jesus, and he he went from Almighty God, Heavenly Father, Lord of all creation, to Jesus. And it was all about Jesus. And the second thing that happened is um, the scriptures came alive. The Bible became real and read it. And it was, and even to this day, there are moments when I'll read the scriptures, and I've been reading them daily now for over four decades. Even now, we'll go, I'll look, read something and say, man, I never saw that before. It's like bounces out. And, and it, and you become true what Paul was saying, that it's a living word. It's alive and working. And so I believe that what we're going to go through, and we're going through, is a re- revival of those two things. Very simple. About Jesus. And that has led me to having this relationship with the book of Romans. A new relationship with the book. And I've read Book of Romans many times. I hope you believe that. 
But I just started reading it again and got led by the Holy Spirit. And then I started studying it and then looking and praying it. Even more importantly, it was to pray the book. And so I'm going to come from, speak to you from Romans 9, although when I get back from the Philippines, I'm going to be speaking to the Philippines, I don't know if they're going to tape or whatever, on Romans 7 and 8 and 13, I think. But I'm going to go back and I have this, uh, what's it called, a vlog, whatever, I got this thing. Yeah, I wrote a YouTube channel, and I'm going to be doing the entire book of Romans. And um, hopefully you'll, you'll bounce in. They're only, the sessions are only like 30 minutes at max. There'll be 25, 30-minute segments. You can listen to them, you know, uh, doing something else. And we can begin to share on that. So let me share from there. Just jump in with Romans 9. We live in a world, you and I, that is absorbed with self. <laughs> what, we know, <laughs> what we know today in modern psychology, you need to understand, did not exist in the ancient world. But we know, you know, counselors, social workers, psychotherapy, all those things did not exist until the late 1800s. And there were particularly three men that I think have given more to the collapse of the world and Christianity are Marx, Karl Marx, and uh, Darwin, and Sigmund Freud. Those three Germans were all writing, all thinking at the same time from a godless perspective. There was no God. And those three things have influenced everything. If you've been educated in the 1950s, you've been educated to believe in evolution. You went to school, you've been taught that. And if you don't believe in it, you're considered an idiot. When you heard during the COVID thing, it's all about science. That's the mindset. Okay? And we know how well they did with COVID. You know, people can't figure out what a mask is for trying to tell us that the world's coming to an end. They can predict the weather. And why is all that about? Because you get rid of God, you think you can change creation. We can control the weather. And people are just right on board with this. Okay? So that, that was evolution. The, the other part was Marxism. How many in here believe when the government shows up, it's going to get better? <laughs> but we have to become aware. Thank God for St. Michael's Academy. Amen? It's a move of God. If you're investing in that, it's a move of God. Because we don't have public schools anymore. We have government schools. And the purpose of the government school is to indoctrinate you in critical thinking. And you know what critical thinking is? Marxism. That's what it is. And they just put different words on it. I'm not, I'm against critical race theory, not because I'm a racist. I'm not a racist. But I'm not a Marxist. That's why I'm against it. So then you got psychology. Something goes wrong in the indoctrination centers of government schools. 
and you sit down with a guidance counselor, right, who then refers you to the school psychologist. Your kid needs therapy and counseling. And the problem that he has is he's lacking self-esteem or self-worth, self-something. And that, that movement of Freud, that one I want to talk about, that kind of took over. And you know where it really came on fire? La Jolla, California. It's a center. You got a guy named Carl Rogers and Abraham Maslow. And they created what's called humanistic psychology. How many have ever had, you know, that, well, what do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? Right? Your just problem is, is you're not in touch with your feelings. Okay? That don't go in prison, by the way, in the prison ministry. People in prison are there because they got in touch with their feelings. And they don't suffer from lack of self-esteem. Talk to anybody doing time. So this self-awareness thing, the self, and that's where we're in. We got got to find ourselves, right? Our, what's your what's your sexual identity? What's what? I mean, really think about that. How how where we've gone. And how do you determine your gender? By what you feel. You feel like a woman? You're a woman. And so they're saying you have to decide that very young. And these school psychologists will help you determine that without asking for your parents, by the way. Well, I just looked at that and said, if you want to tell a kid who's six years old what he feels like is what he's going to grow up to be, There'd be a lot of firemen, policemen, and princesses running around. <laughs> you don't know what, you, what you're going to do when you're five. But it's all this. We got the self-identities, ourself. And so what's happened in our thinking, gang, and where we are in the world today, is every reality is our little world. So what's real, not being judgmental, what's real is where I live and my surroundings. And most people are unaware that not the entire world is like the world we live in. There's places like Africa, and they don't do self-help. I have no idea what that means. Transformation. All the things that we talk about so because it's not it never hit there. And they're too busy trying to find food. That's their world. And they understand the relationship to each other and family and all that. But we've we've gotten that here's this world. Everything's like wherever you're from. So my world would be Jacksonville, the people who live there, the churches I go to, and I look at everything. From that perspective, but and that's okay, except that it's bigger than that. 
The world's bigger than my little world. And I can't find truth in that little world. So when we read the scriptures, when we come to the Bible like we're coming to today, in A.D. 57, when Paul was writing Romans or anything else, he had not read Sigmund Freud or Abraham Maslow or Karl Marx. That's not in his worldview of what he knows. And what's about it, modern psychology didn't exist. And it's always fascinating to me that the preachers, I get to listen to a lot of them, treat the scriptures as if it's psychology. Somehow they find self-actualization in there, self-awareness, self-discovery, self-consciousness, self-esteem. Or my favorite one is the oxymoron self-help. You understand if you could help yourself, you don't need self-help. The problem is you can't help yourself, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. It's not, it's not written in the context of today. Now, I believe it can be applied today because I live it out today. But you've got to remove that. You've got to take that from there. The people who wrote the scriptures were not Americans. Now, I love America, but they weren't Americans. They didn't know America. America's only 247 years old. They weren't into democracy. They didn't vote, but they understood Lord and King. That was their world. God created the earth. Period. End of discussion. And so what Paul was aware of, what he was aware of, and we need to get aware of, is how awesome God is and how God has made known to us, us humans here in San Clemente, God has made himself known to us, to you. God is working in you. Paul knew that. And that he made, was made known to us in this specific thing, through the Jewish community, who had always known that finally through these Jews, Jesus came. And not as Jesus just to teach us something, but Jesus who is God himself. That's powerful. That's powerful. If I can proclaim to you today, God himself is here right now. You're in the presence of God. And in a few minutes, he's going to be present to us in bread and wine. Not as symbols. Not as a symbol of anything. But body, soul, and divinity. God is here at St. Michael's. And when God is present, things happen. And so this might be a shock, 
the holy scriptures and the sacred tradition of the church have nothing to do with you. That's a shocker for a lot of people. They have to do with God making himself known to us. That's what the scriptures have to do with us. When we come to the scriptures, it's not to find out more about ourselves. Paul sums that up in chapter 7. Chapter 7, chapter 8 is the only really two chapters you need to get through life. But anyway, God's made known. You want to know about yourself? You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's all you need to know. And you can't help yourself. Romans chapter 7 says, look, we have the law, we have the commandments, we had all that. And it said, everybody, everybody here knows right or wrong. You don't need the Bible to tell you that. We just instinctively know right and wrong. Although that's getting confusing. How did we ever get to believe that it's right to kill a baby? But that's just this humanism taking over. But inside, we know, we just know, we really, you know, we know that, that child porn is wrong, right? Because we know that. And we know even in ourselves that there's wrong things to do. So I can say to every one of us here, we've done wrong things. What we probably hold in common is not so much our success, but our failure. Where we failed at things, and we're aware of that, like instinctively. And then Paul says the word of God comes along with the commandment, and it just points out how much we have failed. <laughs> you know, like Lent. You know, every Lent, I, I don't have any problem giving up meat. I'm not a big meat eater. Not that I'm a vegetarian. I just I like fish and pasta. But in Lent, you have to go Wednesday and Friday with no meat. And, by the first Wednesday after Ash Wednesday, I have a massive craving for a Big Mac. <laughs> like it's taken over my entire being that I have to have. Or I'll find myself in a restaurant with a big juicy steak and go, it's Friday, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of my whole life. You know? People go, the devil makes me do things wrong. No, he doesn't. I get in trouble all by myself. I don't need the assistant of a demon. It comes naturally. So that's all we have to recognize. And I'm not saying that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you see. Well, why? Because we, he knows that. I know it, you know it. Paul, a great holy man. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I do just the opposite. Right? And he goes, woe to me. And then, but here's what happens. Chapter 8. Jesus comes. Someone said, the only, I think it was Tazer said, the only sin that Jesus has is our sin. And the only righteousness we have is his. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to listen sometimes when you read the scripture. It's not preach the gospel. It's preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the good news of Jesus and what he's done. There's a revival coming, and it's about Jesus. It's about who he is. They did a study of some young people that said, it's find out if they like Jesus. And it was overwhelming. Ninety-some percent of the young people said they like Jesus. And you know why? Because they said he's just like us. They said, Lord, have mercy. He's not just like us. That's the point. <laughs> We're supposed to be just like him. God is working. Romans eight twenty nine said, the image of God is being formed in us. Jesus is being formed in us. And it's about that relationship with Jesus that Paul keeps coming. He says, and when you come to him, you've got to step out of your preconceived, self-centered, San Clemente, St. Michael's, Jackson view, worldview, and understand that his ways are not our ways, nor his thoughts are thoughts. In fact, what I found, the more I think I know about God, the less I know. <laughs> more and more a mystery of his love. And people think, come and explain to me the mystery of the sacrament. If I could, it wouldn't be a mystery. You got that? But I know it's true. Because the only way you understand a mystery is live it. That's how you understand. The only way you're ever going to understand Jesus is spend some time with him. And you discover there's places he doesn't like to go. There's things he doesn't like to do. Now, he keeps going with you. <laughs> but he's working it out. You know, you ever been in one of them? Come on. You ever been in one of place and all of a sudden the Lord says, I don't like it here. <laughs> but Lord, I'm having a really good time. No. I'm going to form something greater and better. And so God then becomes not something to be studied. Hear me, Bible teachers. God is not something to be studied. He's not an object that you can understand. Just as you and I, hear this psychologist, are not objects to be studied. That's evil. We're persons. The minute you you make somebody a subject, you can kill them. Easily. But you're a person. You're not not to be studied. We're to have relationships. And and it's that relationship of humanity that God comes and loves us. He loves us. God is only subjective. He's only in the relationship that you have with him. So the question I would ask you is, how is that relationship going? How are you going to leave St. Michael's this morning in that relationship? I hope you don't leave smarter. I really don't care if you're smart. There's stupid people in heaven. Amen? And some of the stupid people in heaven are theologians or bishops. I'm not going after smarter. I'm not even going after better. I don't care if you leave here better. Jesus didn't come so that we could be better. He came so that we could be holy. So that we could love more. That's what he came. So the church, hopefully St. Michael's afterward, is a place that's not about success. 
It's not about the five different ways to face temptation. Don't face temptation. Here's a word for you. Don't face temptation. Temptation will win. Amen? Oh, come on. You know what I mean. Do you know that cherry cheesecakes can speak? Oh, yeah. My wife will bring in a cherry cheese, New York cherry cheesecake. Mmm. And she'll put that in the freezer, and about 2 o'clock in the morning, it calls. Well, just a small piece. But it's frozen. That's all right. The other one is leftover chicken parmesan. Mm, you know what I mean. That ain't going through the night. <laughs> Great speak. Temptation state. Don't get in front of temptation. It'll win. That's, there's a sermon for you. But Jesus is there with you. And Jesus right now is making this church into a place and has been doing it where the glory of God's going to fall. And when the glory of God falls, we will not be able to stand up in the glory. You see, I think what the church has rejected is that glory. And it's settled. And the reason is, is because people always want to be sovereign. They want to be God. They want control of what's going on. And they want control in their own lives. And the good news is you don't have control. You see, we're we're not in control. God is going to be God. See, we don't, we want to limit, what is all this sexual identity stuff about? It's about us being God. I can determine my sexuality. I said, I want to set up a clinic. You know, called gender identification. And here's our treatment. Go find out who they are. Pull your pants down. <laughs> That's $25. Now get used to that. You might have trouble living that out, but that's the end, the answer. We can't recreate gender. You know? Sexual identity. Here's what I was taught about sex. Don't. Until you're married. That was the end of it. I said, do. There were several things that I could get killed for. One was talking back to my dad. That was a capital offense in my home. Say that again, I'll kill you. (laughs) The other was sex outside of marriage. I'll kill you for that, too. That's all you need to know. Find somebody you love and then get married. And it'll work out. You'll find it out. See, that, why are people are rejecting the church today because they want to be sovereign. And Jesus is sovereign. What they don't, what they need, the world needs to know is Jesus, not the church. And they go to church and all these TV programs are trying to teach them how they can be sovereign. Jesus wants an encounter with us. God wants our hearts. God is not fooled by our liturgy. Not fooled. 
You can sit in St. Michael's Sunday after Sunday and nothing happens. You know, I would say, you know, Christianity is not like, like, you know, it's not like you sit in a garage and become a car. It's an encounter. You following me? Something that God wants to do in you. Wants to do in you. Jesus, at one point, the biggest criticism he made, is says, these people from Isaiah honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That's what Jesus is interested in this morning. That's why I love the colic we pray in the beginning. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Greatest prayer ever. Let me finish with Isaiah chapter 6. I don't know if I've gone too long. Probably. But I put my notes in order, so that means something, right? Remember Isaiah chapter 6? Go home and read it. The year the king Isaiah died, I looked up, and Isaiah had a vision of heaven. And you remember the vision? He saw the throne, and there was incense everywhere. But there were all these angels crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. The song of heaven. That's the song of heaven. When you get there, you're going to know the words. Because you sing it every Sunday. But he, went ahead, he had this encounter with, here's this holy God. And what happened in that, that moment of holiness and meeting God is he became, he didn't go, oh, praise God, I'm in his holiness. This is wonderful. Hallelujah. Let's put up a tent and invite our neighbors. No. He said, woe to me, I'm I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm reminded when I hear that story of Peter in the boat. Remember, he catches all the fish? And Jesus is there, and he, he realizes who Jesus is. And he says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Now, this isn't in the text, but I believe it's there. I bet you Jesus said, I can work with this guy. See, the first thing when this holiness happens, when this glory falls again anew, we're becoming aware of how sinful we are. Perhaps you're aware of it today. But at the same time, in the midst of that holiness, God takes this piece of charcoal and puts it on his lips. Isaiah meets the God of love and forgiveness. That's good news. How many are happy you know the God of love and forgiveness? How many are happy to, to, to know you're forgiven? That you live in that? By grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a free gift of God. That God has forgiven you. I remember when I first heard that, 1978, when I began, that God had forgiven me even though I was sinful and I was aware of my sin, I cried for three days. This cry, how incredible. I began to preach his love, and I'm doing that four decades later. And see, I know now, then, then, then God says to I say, okay, now you've been forgiven, now go out. 
Who shall I send? Send me. I can go out with that message. I can't go out with the message of transubstantiation. People say, How, what do you think of transubstantiation? I don't. I don't think about it. I don't think about the assumption of Mary. I actually don't think about the virgin birth. What I think about in my days is the love of God and the forgiveness of God. You see, and then I can go out into the bar rooms, the highways, the high schools, wherever we're called to go. There ain't a person in San Clemente sitting in a bar today waiting to hear our view on the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. You got it? They're not interested. That comes later, and then we bore each other with those discussions. But there are people in bar rooms today that are thinking about ending their lives. There's people scared to death about their children and what's going to happen. There's people out there who have relationships that are disasters. They make, a, you know, below deck look like a normal life. And they're hurting, like I was hurting, like maybe you were hurting. And they brought the message and said, look, Craig, there's no sin too big that he can't forgive. And above all, he loves you. He loves you. Let me give you the story about Isaiah. I got this vision from somebody else, but it's really, it's moved me for 30 years. And I might have shared it. I want you to picture when you die that you're going to find yourself in a movie theater. Sounds odd, huh? And you're going to be in the front row, right there in the middle. And there's a big screen in front of you. And there's an audience that's joined you. And that audience is everybody that you have ever known or thought about. They're there in the audience. Next to you is your wife, maybe your second wife. Maybe your third wife. There's all the people you've had relationships, all the people you stole from, lied to. Okay? They're all there. Children are there. Your children's grandchildren are there. Everybody's there. And a movie's going to start. And the title of the movie is, This is Your Life. And it's going to be everything that you ever did. And underneath in subtitles is what you thought while you were doing it. Now, you can have several responses to that news. One is, finally, people are going to see what a good person I was. (laughs) (laughs) Or, that's not too bad as long as they show his film first. (laughs) Or third response is, i got to get my hands on that film. But here's the good news. The film starts, and it's the story of Jesus, because he's become your story. The only sin he's ever had is yours, and the only righteousness we've ever had is his. Let the Holy Spirit move at St. Michael's. Amen. Amen. Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, 
the only Son, Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, bearing begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, God the Father has called us into his presence through Jesus his Son, by the power of his Holy Spirit. Therefore, let us pray to our Father for ourselves and for the whole world. That church leaders will preach and teach the truth of the gospel with courage and conviction. Lord, in your mercy, that national leaders will work tirelessly for peace among all nations. Lord, in your mercy, that we, like St. Paul, will have great sorrow and anguish for those who are rejecting Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer, that all who have played a part in abortion will repent and find the forgiveness and peace of Christ, of God, demonstrated to us in Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, that the Jewish people will recognize that Jesus is the Messiah spoken of by Moses. Lord, in your mercy, that our schools, colleges, and universities will be places where wisdom is pursued and where Jesus is the source of all truth. Lord, in your mercy, that we will have the Lord's compassion toward the sick, the oppressed, the lowly, and the poor. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to trust you for all our needs. And we ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's greet one another with a sign of God's peace. God's peace. Job, man. Glad you are. Peace. Well, I don't see any. Uh new visitors, but if you're here for the first time, welcome to St. Michael's, and uh, welcome back to uh, our dear friend and colleague, Michael Berry. Anything new going on in your life, Michael? 
All right. Well, we always love to have you here. You're a real dynamo in our midst. Amen. Amen. Really, uh, also, Bishop Bates' wife, Kathy, is here. Kathy. Hi, Kathy. It's Kathy right there. And uh, we also have the Hennizers here on vacation, it looks like. uh, Patty Hennizer, she's right back there. Hi, Patty and her family. All right, uh, just a few announcements. Men's meeting, 8 a.m. this coming Saturday, uh, the 12th. Contact Father Ed Harris. I think it's going to be uh, less talk and more work. So uh, is that correct? I think so. Um, Also, Bishop Bates is going to be doing his series. You can follow him at uh, bishopbatescec.org. Do we have it up there on the board? I can't see it. And then, or at Bishop Bates, you can also, I don't even know. What is the ad? Is that Instagram? Look it up at uh, YouTube. Okay, look look it up at YouTube. Sorry. And then finally, our food ministry on Mondays. If you can make it out, uh, summer's slow. We'd love to have a few more hands out there helping us with uh, the food ministry. Let's pray for the offering. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and make good your vows to the Most High. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord.
Be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. Yes, Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, Jesus freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that has made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choirs of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, a death he freely accepted, Jesus took bread and gave you thanks. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. Gave the cup to his disciples and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ is dying. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. 
In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. And we thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Jesus, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love together with me, an unworthy servant, Doug, the bishop, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. For Susan, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Chuck, Soldad, Ed, Bishop Kessler, the House family, the Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in the armed forces. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you have made us worthy to share eternal life with Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, and with the apostles, the martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. By him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ taught us, we are bold to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be our name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy to enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God.
pray together. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace, and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who roam throughout the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. The maker of heaven. Well, when you go into the world this week, remember the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, and this is incredible, not counting our sins against us. And by the way, he's not counting our righteousness either. He's not into counting. He's into loving. That God loves you. That God has forgiven you. And therefore, God is not angry with you. Never will be, never was. And above all, God will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be with you and with those you love and care for this day and forever. Amen. Amen.